Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. The numbers told the story they always do. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSEN. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good. Wednesday morning, it is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app, Fubo, Sling, Game Plus, iHeartRadio, YouTube TV. It's all brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. Jeff Parlay is here as well. It's Gil Alexander. How you doing, Jeffrey? You good? Good. Good. Del- delightfully weird game. <laughs> In the in the nightcap last night in the NBA, Jeff may glue himself to the desk today. If we're not careful, anything could happen. Brad uh, Brady Cannon will join us uh, second hour to talk golf, RBC Heritage on the heels of the Masters. We'll get his Masters thoughts as well. I want to bring up something else about golf uh, on the show today as well, which I feel is like the biggest one of the biggest global sports stories. We got to get into that. Jason Weingarten from under a cloud of smoke in L.A. Or I should say in Southern California. We don't know if it's L.A. It's in Southern California. Uh, we'll talk baseball with him. Eric Eager. Talk NFL draft with Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. It's been a while since we talked to Eric. Want to get his thoughts on how he thinks this draft is going to shake out. Every day seems like there's a new mock. Mel Kuyper's latest mock has Sauce Gardner going second. Stop it. Stop it. Who knows? And Adam Burke will join us from Cleveland, from his home, from his uh you know, old stomping grounds there in Cleveland to talk baseball with us as well. Uh, and we'll get into a whole bunch, including Stephen Kwan with Adam Burke. Uh, first, though, the NBA, Jeff. Last night, you got play-in fever. That was a pretty nice little night of basketball. By the way, pre-flop ATS, total plinko. Total plinko. Like the metal or whatever that is, metal chip, metal disc falling through the rungs and then quickening pace. That's your ATS uh, finish for these games last night. First, Brooklyn, though, gets it done against Cleveland. But it wasn't easy. Brooklyn was up 20 at the end of the first quarter, 40-20. to 20, 
And Cleveland had cut it to six on multiple occasions late in this game before winning uh, the Nets, that is, by, before the Nets won it by seven, not covering. Cleveland gets the money on the spread in the end. Uh, Nets win it 115 to 108. Took Kyrie 13 shots to finally miss one last night. Uh, and, when, you know, one of those occasions where the Cavaliers had cut it to six, all it took was a couple KD jumpers, just completely unstoppable, right, uh, in crunch time against the Cavs. I don't think the Cavs even played that well. And the Nets and the Nets did have Kyrie and KD at full tilt. And the Nets become the seventh seed officially now in the Eastern Conference playoffs, which means a best-of-seven series against the Celtics, who, remember, were checkmated on the final Sunday of the regular season some three days ago when the Bucks lost by resting all their players, all their key players, and essentially put the Celtics in the position of, okay, well, now if we win, we play the Nets. If we lose, we might face the prospect of having to play in Toronto in a 5-4, which is absolutely what we can't possibly have if you're the Boston Celtics, given unvaccinated status of players. So they, they took the right option. At that point, it was the the lesser of two evils, given that circumstance with the uh, vaccine mandate in Canada. So we have a 2-7 series now between the Celtics and Nets. I threw this out to Kelly Bidlin last night in my uh, in attempts to make a ridiculous superlative comment. On paper, the greatest first round matchup in the history of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Kelly pushed back. He said, I don't know. There's probably a 4-5 somewhere that was as good. I don't know about that. This could be. And so when the series price, we, we speculated with JBT the other day, what would the series price be on this? And we thought minus 125 in, in favor of the Celtics. These numbers, Jeff, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, they're all over the place. So Dra- DraftKings had the Celtics as a slight dog to start this out or a coin flip. And now I'm seeing the Celtics, faraway places here in Vegas, minus 145-ish consensus. You're seeing even higher than that, huh? Uh, the, the the 145s are basically gone. The 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 Celtics are mostly minus 130, oh, minus okay. 135. Okay. Uh, it's except here in town, it's minus 140 basically across the board. Hmm. So it, it it this one is purely based off of what jurisdiction you're in, Gil, because uh, there are there are different numbers. It's ranging all the way down to minus 120. Was the was the Shortest Boston number that I saw this morning, and uh, as I look for it, it looks like that number is gone. So make it minus one twenty-five. I uh, I am on record as saying I don't think the Nets are getting out of the first round. I said that when it when it was when it looked like it was either going to be Milwaukee or Boston. So they're not getting out of the first round, and I maintain that. Now, do I want to race to bet the Celtics at that number? Uh, a little higher than I wanted it to be. I thought minus one twenty-five ish, minus one twenty. I would have played it there. But at this number now, I don't know that I'm racing to play that. I do have additional bet on the Raptors, by the way, in the other series uh, that was already established, one of the other series in the Eastern Conference, the uh, the 4-5. I am all about that. Uh, I had the Raptors plus 154, plus 160. I added to it for the series price. So that's the only pre-flop series price I have played uh, thus far. So Brooklyn gets it done, but there wasn't really anything about that performance that made me think to myself, oh, man, they can flip this switch. I just think they they had their two guys going. They played great. And, and, and by the way, anything about Ben Simmons doesn't impress me. I might even think it's a detriment if they get Ben Simmons back. 
So I, I love the Celtics in that series, but uh, that price drifting a little too high for me now. The other one last night, the 7-8 in the West. And this game was odd, bizarre. T-Wolves get it done as the seventh uh, place finisher in the Western Conference. They beat the Clippers, who finished eighth. And so the T-Wolves become the official seven seed. They will take on the Grizzlies in best of seven first round series. T-Wolves get it done 109-104. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter. Came back, the old melt, as the kids say, for the Clippers. And the T-Wolves act, acted, by the way, inside the NBA, did such a great job with this last night, Shaq and, and Charles Barkley specifically. The T-Wolves acted like they won the NBA championship, getting the seventh seed. Oh, my God. Patrick Beverly weeping, weeping emotionally. I know he's playing his, his, other, his old team, but still weeping. Carl Anthony Towns. Kissing his girlfriend, or is that his wife? I don't even know. Just what a moment in Minnesota sports history that was. Getting to the, getting the seventh seed. Congratulations to the T Wolves. But they really they were doing a little too much inside the NBA. They they played it. They played a slow motion video of those things I just mentioned over both "We Are the Champions" and one shining moment, just because of the way the T Wolves were acting. But this is a game where Fitch got a lot of criticism at halftime by the inside the NBA crew, specifically Chuck Charles Barkley, who. It's like, how can you leave in Carl Anthony Towns to get his fourth foul? How could you leave in Anthony Edwards to get his third foul? But this was, as we talked about before, before we got on air here, Jeff, this was the embodiment of the Ewing, what Bill Simmons used to call the Ewing theory. What I always say is Bill Simmons hack for what you can really quantify in basketball, which is if you have five great players, if you had, uh, how many times it says, Bird Magic, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, and Jordan, as your starting five, pick your great five Hall of Famers, you're not scoring 300 points. There's an optimal efficiency to five guys on a basketball court. And sometimes, and certainly in the short term, you can play better without what most people think is your key guy. And the T-Wolves were so much better without Cat on the court last night. Yes, sir. It was almost like the Clippers had game planned perfectly for Carl Anthony Towns, that when he was off the court, they had no idea what to do. It really did it, feel it, that's that That's what it almost looked like. And uh, Towns, Towns is their best player, but he just didn't have it last night. It looked like the moment was too big for him, but it didn't matter for those two young guards. Russell was amazing uh, in the second half. Yes. And Anthony Edwards is so much fun, Gil. So he really good. is. Oh, what a, he's just tremendous. Just tremendous. And you're right about Carl Anthony Townsend, but he just didn't have it. He probably committed about eight or nine fouls. At least. They, they really were trying to let it stay. But it's like, okay, Carl, we can't not call all of these. And he was just incredulous at all of them. But the T-Wolves get it done. Now, that doesn't mean when you go to the betting market that they are looking at a, at a price that anybody thinks they're going to beat the Grizzlies at a best of seven. Though I do hear some folks saying they think the T-Wolves have a shot here. Um, Grizzlies, north of a $3 favorite on the series price in their best of seven first-round series between a 2-7 out west. Any interest in the T-Wolves for you? You have two younger teams. This is the first time that really this whole Memphis franchise, I know they made a conference final, but this is the first time where they're in this slot. They're in this this two slot. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, because when they made the final, were they like a four or five I'm or something sure like that? Were, I'm pretty sure they were a four when they made yeah. the West final. Yeah. But, and they got some help because a one seed got knocked out in, 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 on the way. But this is a no bet for me. I really want to see how these teams look in game one. 
before doing anything potentially in this series, even though if, if Minnesota wins game one, that price is obviously going to nosedive. But no play for me in this series. Should be a fun series nonetheless. Yeah, you do wonder, and they brought this up last night too, you do wonder if Beverly, I always want to say Frankie Beverly, but that's a whole R&B thing. You do wonder if Patrick Beverly will be an enough of an irritant to mess with Ja and crew. You do wonder that. And we'll find out if the Grizzlies are, in fact, this great regular season team with all this young energy who plays all 82 regular season games to the hilt, whether with Ja or without. Remember, they had a great record without Ja. 20 and 4, I think they finished straight up without Ja. I think they were 17 and 2 at one point. Or are they a team that does have playoff legs? We're going to find out very quickly. Should be a very interesting series. And what I feel is the best first round period of any NBA playoffs we'll ever see. Just on paper, it is at this point just because of where these teams landed in both conferences. You had an interesting strategy. I, I took the Raptors here pre-flop on the series, but you, you're playing it a different way. Considering this, I haven't decided exactly what I'm going to do. Game one, the Raptors' money line, for the most part, is either plus 165 or plus 170 at most shops. That's essentially what the series price is, Gil. So I'm considering, and I understand I'll take a chunk out of my profit if I do this and it doesn't work, take a half unit on Toronto in game one, if they win, I'm done. My series is probably over. It's a nice little conservative way to yeah, play it. Probably done. Yeah. If they lose, come back on a big bloated price for the series. The only thing I would say to you in response to that is, this is wonderful in theory talking about it beforehand, but when they lose that first game and you're down, and then you're like, oh, I'll just take them back on a bigger price, how will you feel at that moment? Will you actually follow through with that? I will have to see how game one goes. <laughs> See, this is what hypothetical sports betting things like that always always kill me with people in advance. Uh, we'll come back. Got something to say about baseball and golf next, right here on a numbers game at Visa, the sports betting. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but. Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's really good? Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Alexander on v the Sports Betting Network. It's time to download the premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM with all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds, specials, and much more. Just download the BetMGM app. It's the BetMGM app today. Won't take you but a few seconds. Then stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account. That won't take you but a few minutes. And then you start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Voila! It's that easy. I believe it's Voila! Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Skill Alexander, Jeff Parlay here as well, producer number five and eight. Also the host of Bet Center on the weekend, where he goes by the name of Jeff Parles. Strange thing that he does. You'll uh, see me on uh, on Betting Across America this weekend. Oh, nice. A little nice. bit different schedule these next few when weeks. When are you on? When, when is that on? I'll be with Femi, actually, uh, nice. Saturday morning. Femi, who is also now hosting uh, the GM Shuffle, Michael Lombardi's podcast. Good on Fem. There you go. Do we call him Fem short by short just to be cool? Did we do that? I just did. Just came out of my mouth that way. Uh, I want to uh, want to go through some of these baseball lines last night, these pitcher lines, and you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, Matt Brash of the Mariners, 5.1 innings, Jeff, two earned runs on four hits, six Ks, one base on ball, 85 total pitches, 85 total pitches. Uh, Vince Velasquez of the White Sox, four innings, two hits, one earned run, two Ks, three walks, 62 pitches. Tyler Molly, four innings, four hits, one earned run, four Ks, two walks, 81 pitches. Drew Smiley, five innings, three hits, no earned runs, one K. No walks issued, 68 pitches. I could go on and on and on. Let me go to the biggest example of this. Lazardo of the Marlins, five innings pitched last night. No, excuse me, one earned run on two hits. 12 Ks, one base on balls issued. 76 total pitches. There's about 12 pitchers where I could go through their lines last night, and it ends up being the, the most any starting pitcher pitched into a game last night was five and two thirds. That was Bryce Elder of the Atlanta Braves. 
and the most number of pitches for any starter pitcher allowed by a manager was Eric Lauer of the Brewers, who got to 89 pitches before he was lifted. But essentially, with the exception of Elder at five point two, uh, five and two thirds, really five and one thirds, five innings, four plus. So the question becomes, and we'll ask this of Adam Burke, is this just a reaction to a shortened spring training where everybody in baseball, every single manager on all 30 teams have decided, yeah, we, we got to work these starting pitchers up. We got to crescendo their season. Therefore, we're taking them out early. We're limiting their pitch counts. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's an interesting answer. That's the obvious answer to that. It is curious to me that 30 teams did it, right? not 27 or 26, right? All of them have done it, apparently. And I just want to throw this out there, and I'll throw this out to Adam Burke. I'm curious your thoughts. Do we believe that all 30 will actually follow through on that? In other words, will there be some of these teams, a la Tampa Bay Rays from previous seasons, who decide this is actually the way we want to manage baseball moving forward? And therefore, from a betting standpoint, does baseball become that much harder to harness? Sports already ridiculous to harness to begin. It is right, like, and and the response of well, just bet five innings then is to me is is a fallacy for for two reasons. One, mathematically, because the straddle is is worse, right, on five inning wagers than it is on full game wagers. You're not getting dime lines on five innings, and two. Early in the season, like, the sample size is so small, right? Like, it takes you that much longer now to build up enough data points for all these pitchers if you're just going five at a time, let's say. It just, for me, the way that my brain works, this becomes that much more difficult every year. Yeah, it, it, it has been difficult to begin the year. Uh, there have been some spots where I've, again, I've taken some first fives as opposed to full games both the Bieber starts for Cleveland. I've taken first fives. Uh, I know Cleveland ended up winning that game yesterday against Cincinnati, but uh, Gil, it, it just, again, it, I think it's more of a product of the shortened spring training that we saw this happen with everyone yesterday, mm-hmm. but you're, let's see how it is in a week. Well, that's what's it. Clearly that's the short term reason for this, right? I'm just wondering if there isn't a handful of teams or more that decide Hey, you know what? I think we're onto something here. And then, so I can hear like the voices of the Todd Wishnevs of the world, right? Who are in my head going, well, that's why you got to end game these. But I don't know if I buy that for baseball because unless you're able to, again, let's use the word harness, every single relief pitcher, the pattern of those pitchers, their abilities, right? In, per team, ooh, you're, that, that's a full-time gig for you as a, as a baseball better. Wishnev's got the time, but I'm just, I'm just saying for a mere mortal, right? There's, there's so many different ways to bet baseball. We did, we've done first innings on this shows for ye, on this show for years, right? So, you know, we'll continue to do those as those prop up, but I'm just saying, it's just an interesting thing to monitor in major league baseball. Today's uh, I hate to bring this back to the Mets as I usually do Gil, but, but today's Mets Phillies game actually is going to be a pretty good data point for what this is right now. Because you have Scherzer and Nola, who Nola, Philadelphia's ace. I know Wheeler uh, is seen as the ace by some, but Nola's still their guy. I know where you're going with Scherzer. Imagine, imagine trying and, to take Scherzer and out Scherzer, of the game. And Scherzer, who yes. we know, Scherzer, 
Scherzer didn't really have it in his first start, but he fought through six innings with that hamstring issue. I'm curious to see after both of those guys, Scherzer threw 80 pitches in his first start. Yeah. Nola threw 76 in his first start. I'm curious to see if both of these guys have it today if this same strategy is employed. It's a great point. And it's also interesting, too, that this is happening, Gil, when everyone has the DH now. Right. We don't even have, oh, we got a big spot with second and third and one out in the pitcher spot up. All right, we got a hit for him, even though he's only at 80 pitches. There's, we don't have to worry about that anymore. So it's even more fascinating that it's happened this I, way. I, that's why I bring it up because I just, again, five years ago, if you asked me, what's your favorite sport to bet pre-flop? It would have been baseball and everything else was second place, right? Five years ago, 10 years ago, that was always my answer. But the sport has changed so much with the, forget taking starting pitchers out earlier, some, some teams even employ an opener. We don't even call it that anymore, right, with Tampa Bay. So – just something to monitor, like, have we even gone past that even further this year, or is this just a short-term thing? We'll have to monitor that. Uh, the other the other big thing is, and I don't often talk about things I'm going to talk about with guests later earlier in the show, but I did want to bring this up. So have you been following this Saudi-backed golf tour? Greg Norman is the guy who's running the show here, uh, but it is Saudi Arabian-backed. And so they made a statement yesterday that they hope to reveal. So it looks like Bubba Watson, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Kevin Na, among the names that are set to join this Saudi golf tour. And um, this was reported, I'll I'll just read from this article here at uh, Daily Mail in the UK. But, you know, will there be more marquee names? We'll see. There was a moment there where it looked like you would get names like Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson, but apparently because of the Phil Mickelson controversy on this, those guys have done a U-turn. But I guess I guess where I'm getting at with this is, from a betting standpoint, this is wonderful. We'll have maybe, you know, perhaps it's wonderful because we'll have another tour to bet on. And it's scheduled for seven events, seven events beginning, and I want to get all this right, uh, this is the league is set to begin in just two months' time at the Centurion Club in St. Albans. It'll be the richest tournament ever in Europe with a 48-man group battling it out to take home an eye-watering prize of more than 19 million pounds. Greg Norman saying, quite honestly, it doesn't matter who plays, we're going to put the event on. There's a 4 million pound first prize. I hope a kid who's 350th in the world wins. It'll change his life. He said it all in an Australian accent. Just want to throw that in. His family's life. And then a few of our events will go by, and the top players will will see someone winning 6 million pounds, 8 million pounds, and say, enough is enough. I know I can beat these guys week in, week out with my hands tied behind my back. Money talks, man. And so you do wonder. It's, it's scheduled for seven events, each of which has a bigger payout than any of the PGA's majors. So it's one thing if it's names like Westwood and Nah. Uh, who else did I mention? Poulter, Bubba Watson. But remember, the PGA Tour and the European Tour sort of banded together and said, anybody who joins this tour, you are subject to suspension or expulsion. So it, when, as long as it's those names, I don't think the PGA is going to freak out. But if it were a DJ or it were a Bryson DeChambeau, then the red alert gets a little higher. And where it would go completely bonkers is this is if one of these young great players decided to do it, like a Morikawa or a Cam Smith, someone of that of that nature. 
that's when this would get completely haywire. Now, betting, great. We get more golf tournaments to bet on. But this is a massive, massive story in global sports, and we'll see how the PGA reacts. And Greg Norman could be right in the end. He could be right. If 350th player in the world wins some huge purse in one of these random events, you don't think some middling golfer on the PGA Tour is going to be like, I'm doing that. I can beat that guy. We'll come back. Adam Burke on baseball next. Numbers game. VEASAN. The Numbers Game with Gil Alexander on VEASAN, the sports betting network. The NFL Draft is right here in Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Mad Humans, Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM. He'll give his draft analysis. He'll be in town for that as well. VEASAN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first-round pick in Sean King, a Super Bowl-winning champion. They'll give you their insights that you can bet on. And, of course, legendary sports broadcaster, voice of the Raiders, Brent, uh, Brent Musburger. He'll give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft betting guide. Sign up today to get full access to VEASAN through the NFL Draft for only $19. That's at VEASAN.com slash spring. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus will join us to talk NFL Draft here momentarily as well. Jeff, one last thing about that. Again, let's just go hypothetical here. You're a, Let's say you're a 33-year-old golfer. Okay, I'm just going to come up with a random age. You're a 33-year-old golfer on the PGA Tour who's making a nice living, right? You're not you're not threatening to win events, though. But you're just making a nice living. Sometimes you, you know, you flirt with the top 10. Most of the time you finish in the, you know, top 30, whatever. You're just you're trying to make cuts. And you say to your wife or your girlfriend, you go, okay, look, here's this, there's another tour here. It's for a grip. It's for so much money. But here's the deal. I think we can make exponentially more money on this tour, but the PGA may ban me for life. What do you think? What a moment to have in your life. It's a lot harder than, especially since you mentioned it was 8 million pounds. Every one of their events has a bigger purse than any major. Right, and pounds, I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's two American dollars for one pound at this point. A little money conversion with Jeff Parlay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's that at this point. So Man. It's a, it's a lot to... Uh, Lot to think about, Gil. It's fascinating. By the way, quick uh, NFL uh, note: uh, not the most important, but uh, at least something. Derek Carr is not going anywhere. Oh, there you go. Three-year extension, 121 and a half million. Looks like to be guaranteed for Carr. Keeps him in Vegas through 2025. So there we go. Three-year, 121. <sighs> 40 mil, man. Yeah, I'd stick around. We 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 figured he wouldn't go anywhere at this point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, from his native Cleveland, Ohio, it's Adam Burke. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, Gil. How's everything going with you? Everything going? You just there for a visit? What's happening? Uh, my dad's got some some medical stuff going on, so oh. needed to come home and, and be with the family here. I am sorry to hear that. I hope all goes well. I hope go, all goes Appreciate well. It. Good that you're there, and thank you for spending a few minutes with us. I, I sort of I said this last segment that when you go through all the starting pitcher lines from last night, Literally, like, and I'll just give you the number again. No one pitched more than five and two thirds, uh, and that was only one pitcher. That was Bryce Elder of the Braves. No one had more than eighty-nine pitches. That was Eric Lauer of the Brewers. And so the the quick response to that is, okay, well, it's because it's a, it's a truncated spring training. Everybody's on a pitch count. Uh, I am a little surprised that all thirty teams decided to employ that. Maybe it was just a night where where it was just a confluence of events. But the question from a betting standpoint becomes. Aren't there going to be some teams out of the 30 that are likely to say, you know what, we kind of like this. Maybe we'll do this moving forward. And if that's the case, does baseball become that much more hard to bet? 
Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I mean, you know, I, I've sort of been advocating kind of from an analytics standpoint, kind of a more piggybacks, you know, right. use a starter for three innings, use a long man for three innings, kind of have a six or seven man rotation, something like that. It's a hard sell for players because, you know, agents obviously won't like that with guys getting fewer innings, putting up lower numbers, you know, stuff like that. But I, I think it's something that teams may have to explore a little bit more. I mean, obviously the Tampa Bay Rays have had success with it. So, you know, I mean, when you look at Tampa Bay and all the smart things that they do, I feel like I would try to follow as many of their models as I possibly could. So, yeah, maybe this is something that does wind up sticking around, especially maybe for a team that's, you know, probably ticketed to win 75, 77 games, something like that, where, you know, maybe they don't have to put a strain of 180 innings on some of their top starting pitchers. Stephen Kwan, we're trying to ascertain if it's 36 uh, swings with no with with not a single single miss or if it's 39 but at one point at least last night Stephen Kwan 36 uh swings this season of his bat with zero with zero misses and the next closest player was Willie Calhoun with 13 Stephen Kwan of your Cleveland Guardians are you betting him for rookie of the year you know what? It's funny. I actually had a conversation uh, with somebody prior to the season. I went over to Westgate and signed up for the season wins challenge and was playing around with some futures and stuff like that. And they didn't have any sheets out for the rookie of the year. So it completely slipped my mind that I was going to take Stephen Kwan to win rookie of the oh, year. Oh man. <laughs> so I think he was like a hundred to one at that point in time. Um, so obviously, you know, pretty disappointed about missing out on that, but Look, you know, this in this Guardians lineup, I mean, Kwan's obviously the guy grabbing all the headlines and deservedly so, but they don't swing and miss a lot up and down the lineup, you know? So they kind of project maybe to be a little bit better than anticipated here because as we know, Gil, I mean, strikeouts have been rising for basically every season in the last decade or so. And, you know, the Guardians don't project to strike out a lot. I mean, this offense has been much better, obviously, than I anticipated. Of course, then too, you know, maybe not facing the best pitching either. So we'll see what happens as they kind of step up in class a little bit. But, you know, it's something I've looked at a lot here early on in the season is, is swings and misses from starting pitchers, you know, trying to ascertain mm -hmm. which guys have good stuff early on in the year because there's nothing better than a swing and miss for a pitcher, you know. So that's something I've been looking at a lot and something I've been factoring a lot into my handicap. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting from the you know from certainly from a from a pitcher's perspective, it's huge. From a hitter's perspective, it, it kind of goes under the radar typically, right? Like so, the Giants' second of three World Series titles in the early part of last decade, the 2012 title, which they uh, which they won, uh, you know, that was the that was the Detroit one, was it? Yes, that was the Detroit one. That was the sweep of Detroit in 2012. Marco Scudero was like a mid-season pickup, if I recall, for the Giants that year. Uh, and he was, he did exactly what Stephen Kwan did. He had like one swing and miss the entire second half of that season. And it was this little, you know, it was this thing that the Giants had found with him that again, when you, that's what makes baseball so interesting. You find these little quirks about certain players. And he was a relatively key cog in that eventual World Series championship. Is there anything else here in the short term? We don't want to overreact, but I'm always curious about quick reactions to things that you might want to keep an eye on. Anything else early-term baseball where you're like, and maybe it's about a team, maybe it's about a player, maybe it's about a trend of some sort where you're like, this could be a thing, I want to keep an eye on this. Yeah, there are a few things. I mean, one of them is a guy who pitched last night for the Mets, and that's Tyler McGill. You know, Tyler McGill's a guy, he stands six foot seven, and all of a sudden he's added about a mile per hour and a half to his fastball. So he already has increased perceived velocity because he's throwing so much closer to home than most guys with that six foot seven frame, 
but now he's basically sitting 96, 97, touching 99. I mean, all of a sudden, this guy becomes a real weapon for that Mets rotation, and obviously they need it with Jacob deGrom hurt, Taiwan Walker going for the MRI, which did come back clean, at least relatively clean for him. Um, McGill is a guy that I've absolutely taken notice of here and a guy that I think is is really, really interesting to follow. Something else here, and I'm curious to see if, if Corbin Burns is caught by Omar Narvaez or Vic Caratini tonight, but the Brewers have kind of had a carousel of catchers over the last few years. They had Yasmani Grandal, who's one of the best pitch framers in baseball. Then they go to Manny, Manny Pena, who's pretty good himself. Caratini's not that good of a framer. And in the games that he's caught, including one with Brandon, including uh, Brandon Woodruff's only start, the pitchers haven't looked super comfortable. And he's a guy that they acquired really late, didn't get those spring training reps, the side sessions, all of that. I don't think that we really handicap the impact of a catcher enough. And not only just his framing ability, yes. but his ability to call the game, keep his pitchers comfortable. And when Caratini has been out there, the Brewers have not performed well. When Narvaez has been out there, they've been much, much better. So that's kind of an interesting little early season trend I've picked up. Not to say that I'll blindly bet the Brewers if Narvaez is catching or anything like that. But if it's Caratini, I would definitely have a lot more pause than I would otherwise. Well, let me just go back to that 2012, that 2012 season again, because something else you said triggered that for me. So the Giants beat the Tigers that year. Max Scherzer was a Tiger that year. One of the big handicapping things that you could do about Scherzer is there was a few starts that he had that year that was that was he had his catcher and he didn't have it. And, and I can't remember if it was Avila was his guy or if it was Gerald Laird was his guy. But there was a handicapping angle again, just to what you're talking about. There's so many little things in baseball for those who are new to handicapping baseball that if you really want to dive in, you can find things that the market hasn't captured yet. That's one of them, the pitcher-catcher relationship. Um, and it wasn't one of these things like a Steve Carlton where you knew that was his catcher, right? It was, it was, a, it was sort of under the radar. We have about uh, 90 seconds here. Any plays for today in Major League Baseball? Yeah, looking at a few things, it's, it's a really tough card because you've got a lot of day games here. So obviously lineups could be a little bit different. And also, too, the weather is a mess across the country. Yeah. A bunch of games at risk of getting rained out. A lot of games with wind, significant wind, either blowing in or out. So could end up being a fairly light day for me. Uh, a couple that I am looking at, though, kind of looking at this under three and a half for the first five for their A's and Rays game. Frankie Montas pitched a lot better than his final line would indicate in that start against the Phillies. He had 16 swings and misses out of 49 swings. And, you know, the Phillies are just obviously a very good lineup. They make a lot of hard contact. And Shane McClanahan was dominant against Baltimore in his first start. I would expect the same here against Oakland. I know three and a half is low for a first five, but I am looking at that one. The other one, and, and this one's a little bit challenging because the wind is blowing out to left at Camden Yards today. But look at the under eight in that Orioles-Brewers game. The Brewers do not hit lefties well. And we talk about the rule being in place for Shohei Otani about, you know, when he pitches, he can stay in the game as the DH even after his start is over. But for the Brewers here, they don't face lefties. They don't do well against lefties. And now they deep in left field at Oriole Park. So look at the under in that one as well. Adam, we appreciate it. Good thoughts for your father. Okay, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Adam Burke at Skating Tripods on Twitter. Coming back, the NFL Draft with Eric Giger from Pro Football Focus next. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. 
This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game winner I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. <laughs> Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code VSIN200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with King of Sportsbooks. Eligibility restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada and Mississippi. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a while since we had a chance to talk to this gentleman, uh, but I got draft fever. I got draft props fever from a betting standpoint. Only two in pocket right now. Maybe this gentleman can convince me to bet more. It's Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Dr. Eric Eager. How you doing, Eric? What's happening? Yeah, I'm doing well, Gil. I, I would say... 
I know we still have a couple weeks, but I'm probably at like 45% of the volume that I had last year. I think part of that is uh, because of, you know, they haven't offered as many markets um, right away. Um, but I, I'm disappointed, Gil, that you only have two bets so far. Only two bets. But you know what? I think everybody, everybody is sort of down in terms of where they have been in previous years. I wonder how much of that is. Well, some of it might be that eight teams have two picks, which is a real historical quirk right now. We've never seen more than six teams have two picks. A quarter of the league has two picks. A quarter doesn't have a pick at all. And how much of it is just, it's just the way these players have kind of landed, this this draft group. Let's just start with uh, a few of these. I just bet, I bet the over three quarterbacks drafted first round at minus 115, figuring it was a push at worst. I've I've heard varying opinions on this. Where do you stand on the number of quarterbacks? Yeah, I took under three and a half at minus 130, um, minus 140 as well. That number is now two and a half, uh, but it's minus 225 to the over. So I think three is probably the right number. Uh, I think your reasoning is fairly good. If you look at the markets right now, uh, DraftKings just, you know, listed a you know top 32 where you see uh, Desmond Ritter's now minus 110. He opened even money. Sam Howell's minus 120. So, you know, like, you know, I think it's fairly obvious that three are going to be taken, or I think it's, you know, certainly I think your bet's a good one. Um, I don't think four are taken, though. I, I, I would be surprised if four were taken. Interesting. By the way, you just bring up those DraftKings props that, we, that just appeared yesterday. I wish we could bet those in Nevada because I'd have more than two bets. I love that. The fact that Desmond Ritter, so this is just players to be drafted, top 32 picks. Desmond Ritter's one thing that's an interesting one at minus 110 because does, does Detroit end up taking him at 32? Does someone move in and take him? That's interesting. But this is the kind of event from a betting standpoint. And again, if you're landing on this show for the first time, you're like, what do you mean you're going to lay minus 500 on something? But this is the kind of thing where you would consider it, right? Like, all right, Chris Olave is like minus 500 to go top 32. I might bet that. There's a bunch of those where I would think, you know, uh, Jamison Williams, whatever his number is, I think it's probably even higher, right? I'm just coming up with random players who you're like, yeah, there's no chance they're not getting drafted in the first round. It values value. I'm not sure some of those numbers are high enough. It, right, exactly. I think that, and and that's probably like a, a, a an interesting mark of like what you know, uh, you know, who's doing the analysis and who's just like, oh, minus 500 seems too much. Yeah, uh, minus 600 seems too much because you know, like. Yeah, I think a lot. It's sort of like laying the no and the safety for the Super Bowl, right? Like it's like minus, you know, a thousand or whatever, eight hundred or something. Somebody, a professional, will take minus eight hundred because it has value, even though uh, most, I think, recreational players would not lay eight, eight to win one. Um, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on with the Alave uh, one. Um, you know, the one that's interesting and the one I wish there was a no on is Nicobe Dean minus three hundred. Like I, I actually think that. If they offered me a no price, I'd probably take it uh, at you know plus 250 or something like that uh, for him. Um, I'd probably also take the 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 no on Matt Corral minus 150. Minus 150, by the way, I didn't even leave him into that situation. That sort of shows again that the odds, uh, you know, sort of how you know. The, I think that the market's saying okay, at least one third quarterback's going to be taken, but not necessarily four. You said the minus 150 on Corral is the no. Interesting. I would no. I would take the no. I think oh, one of the weaknesses the no. of these markets is that the the whole the theoretical hold is pretty high. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, like if, if they offered no on a lot of these, I think you get some sharper numbers. To be well, honest, I would be curious to see what the corral number is because 
that's where I think these teams can't resist, right? So the the batch of quarterbacks is largely considered a very poor talent pool of quarterbacks that could go in the first round. But you know how these teams are, right? They just, and, and somewhat justifiably, they go quarterback crazy. So I'm wondering if a team can't resist trading to draft Matt Corral or if New Orleans is sitting there at 20, you know, in the 20s wanting to draft Matt Corral. It's, it's, I would I would be going crazy with some of those top 32 ones. I'm curious what your thought is on the, the first quarterback, first offensive lineman, first wide receiver, basically first position uh, per position player to be selected. Is there a is there a dog in any one of these categories that you're looking at? And I'm wondering about wide receiver specifically, but maybe it's not that for you. Yeah, if 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 Desmond Ritter gets taken first quarterback, I'll I I, I have a vacation plan because it was forty <laughs> to one uh, right around the combine. I was hearing a lot of buzz about him. He's twenty five to one now. Um, I have some Willis at plus one fifty, but you're seeing that number decrease because uh, of the possibility that the Panthers take Pickett. He's the Panthers are the favorite to take Pickett. Um, I don't know if that's going to be at six or that's going to be a trade back or not. That one I don't see a ton of value in the marketplace anymore unless you want to take a long shot on Des Ritter. Um, you know, the cornerback, you know, Sauce Gardner's the pick in all likelihood. Um, offensive line, it's probably Ike Aquanu, but, but Evan Neal is, is possibly worth it. And then at wide receiver, I think you make a great, you know, make some good questions. Early on, Drake London was the favorite. Uh, and then it went sharply to Garrett Wilson at a little bit less, you know, might maybe minus one ten or so. You're starting to see a little bit more on Jamison Williams now at four to one. Um, that's one where uh, I think I think you know here's here's the interesting thing. I think the NFL views Jamison Williams very similarly that, that they viewed Jalen Waddle last year, where in that a lot of teams have Jamison Williams as their first wide receiver. It just depends upon who goes first. And last year, I think if Jamar Chase wasn't the fifth pick, I still think the Dolphins would have took Jalen Waddle over him. So mm. that that's kind of the crazy thing. Now, as far as with these first position markets popping up, I think that. You know, the further that you go down into the first and second round, the more likely I am to bet an underdog in these first position props. Like, for example, safety last year, Richie Grant was the favorite, but that first safety didn't get picked until the second round, and it was like the fifth or sixth person on the list. Yeah. Running back is that way with Brees Hall. Brees Hall, very well-tested player, et cetera, et cetera. He's minus 250. Right. Well, if he's not going to be taken in the first round, then like, you know, his odds of, of being a lock to be the first guy taken are pretty low. Right. So you can look at Kenneth Walker at two to one as a pretty good alternative. I would even say somebody like James Cook at 25 to one out of Georgia is a very good alternative. I know there are some teams specifically that I've talked to who think James Cook is the best running back in this class. So um, and it matters more as you go into the first and second round, because by the time you get to the second round, all but just a few teams have gotten a chance to make their first pick. Whereas it actually doesn't really matter who Kansas city thinks is the best quarterback in the draft, for example. Um, it's a great point. And, and so, so, so I, th that's kind of the, where I would say in the first, in the first X to be chosen markets, stay away from ones where you think that player is going to be picked in the top 10 in all likelihood, like sauce Gardner, like Malik Willis, like, um, you know, Iki Aquanu and focus on, you know, uh, long shots in, in sort of these markets like running back and possibly safety if that ever gets up there where it's going to it's going to go later in the draft. 
I took, I, by the way, I know Sauce Gardner, all the mocks say he's going first corner. I actually took uh, Derek Stingley Jr. plus 280 to be the first corner. I, ju- I just don't think teams might be able to resist him um, o- over Sauce. But we'll see. Mel Kuyper just had Sauce going number two. So I could be, you know, tremendously wrong. If somebody's landing, somebody has no NFL draft prop bets right at this moment, and they're like, okay, just give me the best bet, best single bet. Maybe it has something to do with what you just said, Eric, about looking at some of these long shots. But what's the best single bet on the board? Maybe it is uh, Aiden Hutchinson going number one. I don't know. What do you think is the best bet on the board right now? Oh, that's a that's a great question. Um, man, I, the best bet on the board right now, in my opinion, is Jordan Davis over 13 and a half draft position. It's, it's about minus 160. Um, again, this is a situation where you know they're very clearly pivoting towards a team like the Ravens at 14. Um, I think the Ravens at 14 is the first team that makes sense for him. Um, and I don't think a team now in sort of a more woke NFL is going to actually trade up for a run-stopping defensive lineman any time before that. So I, I think Jordan Davis draft position over 13 and a half is a bet that if I wasn't like literally capped out at every book that I bet at, I'd bet more. <laughs> okay. How many bets total do you have right now? Oh, I, you did this to me in the Super Bowl too. I'd have to estimate. I think it's like, I have like probably 28. 20, 28 we'll go with. By by game time, by draft time, what do you think? 50 oh, maybe? I think twice that, yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, we'll have to talk between now and then. Apparently, I got to step it up. Right now, I'm feeling like I'm 0-1-1 and uh, based on what Eric just said. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it, man. Pleasure, Gil. Take care. You too. Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Eric. Jason Weingarten from Under a Cloud of Smoke next. Hey, Sarah. I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. (laughs) 